Even though we're spending a lot of our year in Luke, the classic Epiphany text comes from us from the second chapter of Matthew. Listen to the signs from the heavens. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem. Land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star first appeared. Herod sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chest and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy God, set our hearts upon your light, your truth, and your love that binds us all together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be a pleasing sacrifice unto you the treasure we bring to you in this Epiphany Day. Amen. Stargazing is a political and holy act of faith. Last night, I got home after a family event, and I looked up. After days of the shrouded suns and the misty nights, I kind of lost the inclination to raise my eyes to the heavens. But last night... There they were, Orion with the triple star belt, Rigel with the right foot, Beetlejuice on the shoulder. From January to March at least, he's there every night with arms wide open, looking at me, reminding me of a prodigal father, welcoming me, welcoming me home at any time. Or maybe reminding me of Jesus, open arms, ready to give me and all of humanity a big old hug, a reminder in the stars of the radically inclusive grace of God. But that's what I see. I quickly discovered that that is not what everyone sees. In some Polynesian islands, they see the Kahehe Onakiiki, the cat's cradle of the children. To them, this is an incarnation of one of the oldest games on planet Earth, 
found in every indigenous people, even up into the Arctic. The string game. You may remember from back in the 90s at Walden Books or Borders, rest in peace, that you could go and you'd find these books where they had the strings and they taught you how you could put your fingers together and make these shapes. Of course, the most popular one being the cat's cradle. And then the games, you can go back and forth and make them until someone hits the two crowns, which means you're done. There's no other shapes that can possibly be made. So you, for them, this is the creation of a figure. You've got the belt in the middle and the four uh, arms, the limbs of, of the figure with the string. Hawaiians also see that as being part of the, the larger constellation of the canoe baler of Makali'i one of the balers they use to get water out of your canoe. So, and it looks like, if you're using their astrology, as it goes down towards the west, that the baler is actually tipping out the water. Isn't that beautiful? But no one ever told me that. The name that most of us know is Orion, which at this point is mostly ubiquitous in terms of how it is titled for most of the world. And it comes from Greek mythology. According to space.com, there's several versions of the myth, but the most common ones are either Orion proclaiming himself the greatest hunter, and Hera, the wife of Zeus, not being happy about it, so she kills him with a scorpion. So that's why you get Scorpio up there as well. And Zeus puts Orion up into the stars as sort of a consolation prize. There's another version, though, where Orion is blinded for raping Merope, the granddaughter of the god Dionysus. And he has to travel east to seek the sun's rays to recover his sight. But either way, the power of that Greek empire and its spread across the globe, the way that it honors male aggression and violence, is found its way into names and the perceived body, belt, shield, and weapon, pieces I didn't even know about, shapers for the stars, even for us in the 21st century. Even now, the military and economic might of an oppressive empire holds on to us every time we look up at the sky. So, who's right? Is it me with my Christocentric projections of God in the sky? How about the Hawaiians with the tools of childhood fun or of their seafaring history? Or the Greeks honoring a hunter and a possible rapist? Who gets to define the stars? For Herod, this is a simple answer. We do, as long as we is the royal we, or at least whoever is in charge. These magi, these two or three or eight or however many, come and ask where this king of the Jews had been, likely because they would assume that Herod would know who this king is. So they come to the capital city. Herod is frightened, and interestingly, all of Jerusalem with him. But he's most frightened because he knows what's at stake. His power as a puppet king of the Roman Empire is always sitting on fragile ground, always one step away from a threat by the Jewish zealots who could come and try to overthrow him 
because they know that Herod's just playing into the pawn of the oppressive empire who holds on to their land. So Herod sees in the stars what he's looking for, an irrefutable sign that Bethlehem is nothing but trouble. It's hard to say, but it, there's likely some time that Bethlehem was used as a base for a launch, an attack at Herodian, that fort just three miles away from Bethlehem, one of the largest in the Roman world at that time, looming over this tiny town of maybe 300 people. This star happens to point there? Well, isn't that convenient? Now, regardless of why or how or how Herod's scribes get them there, Jesus is born. And the Magi are told not to go back to Herod via a dream. But power is at stake. So Herod sends his troops and he massacres every infant and child under the age of two in that surrounding area. To Herod, the stars meant a threat one that he handled with cosmic swiftness. Gene Roddenberry knew very well the problem of stars and politics and power and how if you project values that don't agree with yours, people on earth are going to have trouble with you. According to David Keck in the Christian Century, as Star Trek's original producer, Roddenberry realized that the casting of the crew of the original Enterprise was going to be a very political statement. Who gets to go to the stars? And so the bridge of that starship eventually depicted officers from every different continent of the earth. Nichelle Nichols, an African-American woman who played Lieutenant Uhara, received critical acclaim for her first season. She wanted to become a Broadway star, and so she was thinking of not returning for the second season. But a day after she told Roddenberry that she was going to leave, all of that changed in an NAACP fundraiser that she attended. She was told that there was a big fan that wanted to meet her. Nichols says, I thought it was a Trekkie. So I said, sure. I looked across the room, and there was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. walking towards me with this big grin on his face. He reached out to me and said, yes, Ms. Nichols, I am your greatest fan. He said that Star Trek was the only show that he and his wife Coretta would allow their three little children to stay up and watch. She told King then about her plans to leave the series. She said, I never got to tell him why, because MLK said, you can't leave. You're part of history. When Nichols told Roddenberry what King had said, he cried. Fast forward to today in this latest Star Trek Discovery series, and the leads are African-American women and Asian-American women. And the lead, Sonequa Martin-Green, is named Michael Burnham, which was meant to speak to the new reality of gender fluidity, because in the show, she's named after her father. You see, King pointed out to her how important it was to see an African-American helping to lead a spaceship. And so even now, Star Trek and some of the comic book heroes 
who traverse the stars are among the most diverse and socially progressive characters in all of Western culture. Because my friends in Christ, here is the gospel. In the face of Herod's definitions of the heavens and the deadly consequences that come if you disagree with him, Jesus lights up the world with the truth that all God's children belong to the stars. That light doesn't shine down for the powerful to see. They find their way in the world. It's a light for the way for the oppressed and broken people to know that God still shines for them. And not just one star at its rising, but millions and billions of balls of gas and blue dwarfs and red planets proclaiming that the light of the world cares about them. It cares about you. Stars can be a threat, but only to the status quo of those who make the definitions. This concentrated power over those who claim that power must be held in control by the right, smart people. But this star in the East introduces to us religious outsiders, not the people of Jerusalem, because they're afraid, but these pluralistic philosophers from who knows where, coming and seeing this resilient, life-giving, community-organized, consensus-building, power-wit, king of all creation the love of God working through the body of Christ. You see, the secret to all this is that what we see in the heavens tells us more about ourselves than what any diagram or any planetarium can tell us. Every astronaut knows this. In 1987, Frank White, is a, a popular science writer, coined the term the overview effect. Because after interviewing enough astronauts who had spent some time in space, White realized that their worldviews had been radically transformed from that sort of tribal, nationalistic proclivities of humanity, of separation and boundaries, to a world of knowing and resting in the truth that we are all connected to one another on this planet and across the cosmos that God created. According to astronaut Chris Hadfield, he said, I took a picture of Karachi, Pakistan, and I read what I wrote about it the next day, which was, there are six million of us living in Pakistan. And I realized that that part of the world had become us for me. Six million of us? When is that no longer them? How did that part of the world, which I've never even been to, now suddenly, because of the cumulative effect of where I am, start to feel like us? I think that's when the world became one place for me, says Hadfield. So when Jesus' light shines on this possibility of an inclusive kingdom where everyone's voice is heard, Herod is of course threatened. Away from the manger, they flee a refugee in Egypt, escaping the attempted stranglehold of power. And this is Matthew's foreshadowing of the next time Jesus comes up against power. And we know how that story goes. But thanks be to God that the epiphany is the precursor to the victory of 
victories over death and sin and the power of love or the power of greed because the resurrection and the incarnation that star in the east remind us that our path is not fixed our stars needn't be defined by violent myths and our course is not consumed with greed but there is a god who shows us the way of love with jesus proving to us that the light of love cannot be extinguished, that there's no black hole of Herod's over the arc of justice, only the supernova of the breaking in of the reign of God's kingdom. My friends, what you see in the stars tells you a lot about yourself. So when you look up, what will you see? Will the three stars in the belt be for you like the people of Tonga, three canoers paddling? Will it be for you like the people of South Africa who see the Dre Konigs, the three kings, coming to declare that the reign of God is at hand so that every knee may bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord? My friends, may you learn to look for the stars. And as you do, may you find God. A radiant and blessed epiphany to you all. Amen.